now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp once again. Great to see you back. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Afternoon. It's been a while between drinks for us. Yeah, it has been, hasn't it? You've been there. I've been here. I've been there. You've been here. It just hasn't quite worked out. Just keep missing each other. But here we are now, back together back again. Back together again. The dream team. <laughs> Scott Sharp, what do you got for us today? Well, I thought we'd talk about uh, it's autumny out there. It's getting quite cool. Nandine is there, starting to colour up. Yep. Uh, purple fountain grass is looking spectacular at the moment, and cymbidium orchids are the thing to have at the moment. Cymbidium orchids. Yes. And first up today, we've got Jill from Rankin Park, and she's got a question about the orange tree. Hey, Jill, how can we help you today? Um, hello, Scott. Yes, I have a navel orange tree. It's quite old. I've had it for about 20 years, and it's been a fabulous bearer, but it's dying, and I don't know what to do to save it. My husband is blaming um, a daisy that I had planted around the base of the tree, which was there probably for quite some time, and he's saying that the, the daisy has somehow ring-barked the tree. I can't. I can't imagine the daisy growing teeth and ring barking the tree. I. I, I think your husband's. Uh, yeah, he's clutching at the old straws there. He could yeah, be. He could be. He didn't like the daisy. <laughs> he could be navel gazing. Actually, mm. <laughs> he could do. No, look. I don't. I really don't think it's the daisy's fault. Uh, a twenty-year-old tree. It's going to probably have all sorts of problems. Uh, it. It. Uh, you know, might have borer in there. Uh, have you pruned it back recently? Uh, no, but he did um, last week just to see if that would sort of slow the, the dying process. But okay. it hasn't yeah. done a lot to it. The leaves are just falling off every day and there's virtually no fruit left on it now at all. Okay, look, it sounds like it might have a borer of some sort in there. Uh, is the bark getting old and cracked as well on the plant? Around the base it is, yes. Uh, yeah, so look, that, that that's probably what it is. Uh, Look, I can give you two options. You can either pull it out and start again, which is not a bad idea with a 20-year-old tree, or right. you can try and treat it uh, with uh, a, like an insecticide that you would actually drill into the trunk of the tree and inject in there in case there's any borers in there. You'd also then have to get a, uh, a product called SteriPrune, uh, which actually you paint onto the wounds and around the bark of the tree where it might be cracking to try and seal it up and protect any other insects getting in there. Uh, so you can see it's it's sort of a lengthy process to try and save the tree when sometimes, you know, when a plant's that old, uh, it might be best just to, to get rid of the tree. It's like orange euthanasia here is what we're trying to do, unfortunately. Um, yeah. yeah, get rid of the tree and start again. You've got a nice fresh plant, uh, no pest and disease. Its bark will be nice and soft. Uh, you know, you won't have any problems like that. And uh, you'll, you'll have, uh, you know, a decent fruit probably after about another two or three years. Okay, but I could try the steriprune first. Yeah, so what you need is an insecticide first to actually, if you can find any holes, you inject those uh, holes with the, a chemical like a malathon. Uh, it'll actually go down into the plant and be absorbed around and kill any borers that are in there. Uh, you can also drill some holes in the trunk of the plant as well and put some malathon in there if you'd like to. Uh, then it's important to get some wood putty or some soap and actually seal those holes up and then get that steriprune as well. You can get it in a little paint tin or you can get it as a, uh, an aerosol and uh, you spray that on and that actually seals it up. And any, any other cracks as well that you see in the bark, important that you, uh, that you seal those up as well to stop any future insect incursion. Okay, thank you. I might give those a try before the last resort of putting yeah, the tree out. Oh, look, I know it sounds a bit final, but again, a 20-year-old plant getting a bit long in the tooth, um, yeah, it, it's probably getting around about time. 
Okay. Okay, try well, it out. Thanks very much, thanks very much indeed. Okay, thanks, Jill. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, we've got Dave now from Dungog. He's also got a question about the orange tree. Uh, Dave, how can we help you, mate? Scott, I was just wondering, I've got a very old orange tree as well. Yes. And it's one of the ones with the seeds in it and spikes. I've trimmed the spikes and that off it previously, but it's getting too tall. Yes. When is the best time to trim it? Well, look, now, now's not the great a great time because hopefully it should be, you know, somewhere in the fruiting uh, phase at the moment because, uh, you know, as the, the, uh, the orange fruits uh, during the middle of winter, that's how you get that nice sort of sweet taste. Uh, out of it, so the best time usually to uh, give your uh, fr- uh, orange a prune back is in the uh, you know August September in those spring months. Uh, give it a prune back then, and then it will be ready to flower and fruit again when it comes around to uh, March, April, May. Okay, how far can I prune it back? How savage can I get? You can be very, very savage with a citrus tree. Uh, look, I, you, you read articles in the newspaper where uh, they'll actually cut back whole crops almost back down to the ground to try and save them if, in a drought period, and then they'll come back. Look, I probably wouldn't be that severe. Uh, you know, a third to half of the plant off uh, is, is a fair decent prune for it. Uh, look, that said, if you do want to give it a prune now, you can, but you're just going to lose any potential for fruiting that you might have this year. Yeah, I've got some fruit on it, but... Um yeah, there's a fair bit of new growth with this rain that we've had around as well. I'm just worried about how much of that is going to affect the plant too. Yeah, look, if you want to, you can give it a prune back now. Certainly, you know, won't harm it. We'll just be a little bit slower coming back. Uh, but look, the main time to prune it would be uh, August, September. All right, I'll do it then. Thank you very much. Okay, good on you, Dave. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks, Dave. Guarding talk back on 2 and URFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. We've got Dave from Dungog. No, sorry. We've got Tim from Swansea. Tim from Swansea. We're going back to Dave again. We've got Tim from Swansea, and he's got a question about beetroot. Uh, Tim, how can we help you? Listen, mate, um, I've been going beetroot for the last couple of years, and um, they tend to... Like, I buy the um, big beetroot, not the baby beetroot. Yes. But they all turn out like... The little beetroot, I get plenty of beautiful leaves on them, you know. All, all the beautiful, healthy plants, but I'm not getting the size of the beetroot that I want, mate. I'm getting like a 10 cent piece when I should be getting, you know, the size of a tennis ball. Yeah, so look, what, what it's sounding like is that the soil that you're growing it in must be high in nitrogen. Are you, what are you feeding them with, mate? Oh, I just give them a bit of dynamic lifter, and they're all in sort of um, half 44s. We've um uh, I use uh, potty mix. Yep. And and then it, just a bit of um, fertiliser, mate. Just a bit of dynamic lifter. Yeah. Okay. Look, the dynamic lifter shouldn't hurt. I mean, it is poultry manure based, but it's not yep. especially high in nitrogen. Uh, look, mate, what I'd be doing is actually uh, getting uh, some trace elements and giving it a feed with some trace elements to try and boost that area of the of the plant because we actually want the bulb to grow more. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would be doing is getting uh, some sea salt as well because that helps the root system of a plant. And oh, yeah, effectively, yeah. that's well, what you're trying to... I remember my grandfather, he used to always use... Um, he'd go down and get um, seaweed. Yeah, okay. So that's... A, yeah, so look, I, I wouldn't go and do that... Uh, I'm not a big fan of that because, of course, the salt content that's probably yep. in there. So I'd actually just, yeah, and look, sea salt, you know, it's not overly expensive. It uh, goes a long way. So I'd probably go and grab some sea salt and uh, just start using that according to the instructions, you know, probably once a week, once every couple of weeks. And uh, that will start building up the root system and improving that bulb, uh, you know, down below the ground for you so you get bigger beetroot. Yeah, 
Oh, beautiful, mate. Thanks a lot. I like, I like uh, your talk back show, mate. It's beautiful. Okay, thanks for that, Tim. We appreciate the comment. Bye-bye. Okay, cheers, mate. Bye. And we've got Sue from Warrabrook, and she's got a question about Renuncia. Very good. You've been practising that. I'm so nervous about that. You got it out. You got it out. Hello, Sue. How can we help you? Uh, afternoon, Scott. I've unsuccessfully grown ranunculus for the last three years. Yes. Now, I have a new pack this year, mm-hmm. and I'd like to know how to plant them for them to be successful. Okay. We can we can help you out with that. Mm-hmm. Are you growing them in pots or in the ground? I'm growing them in pots, in plant, long planter pots. Oh, yeah, okay. Look, that that should be fine with them. I mean, they're a funny little thing, aren't they? When you get the packet of them, they're like, I don't mm. know, how would you describe them? They're like uh, not even a bulb. They're just this funny thing with all the little spikes and little yeah, arms coming right. out of them. They're quite unusual. Look, I think the main thing when you're growing ranunculus is to make sure you have them in the full sun. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not as important, you know, that you freeze them or anything like that. You know, like you do with your tulips. I don't think that's so important with them. Uh, the mm-hmm. important thing is not to plant them incredibly deep in under the soil. If you turn mm-hmm. over the packet, you'll notice that there actually will be a planting guide on the packet of your bulbs, and it should tell you, you know, approximately how far you should put that little corm down, that little bulb down in under the soil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, look, I'm, I've got my fingers here sort of spread apart, and I'm thinking it's probably about... 15 centimetres? That's not 15 centimetres. That's, I reckon that's only about 4 centimetres. Uh, so well, I'm, I'm distance away, 12 so. to 15 and 6 centimetres down. Yeah, so yeah, that was pretty good, though. I said 4 centimetres. <laughs> so, yeah, 6 centimetres is about right. So not too deep. Mm. Uh, if you plant them too deep, you will have a little bit of problem with them. Um, obviously, if you plant them too shallow as well, you're going to have problems. So um, just try and get a little measuring stick or something about that depth and, or, you know, poke your finger in and work out, you know, how far up to the knuckle or so. First knuckle, or, first knuckle or second? Oh, maybe the second knuckle. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, yeah. and, and just get them in that deep. And look, then just start watering them as normal. You can also go and get some bulb fertiliser. Yeah, well, uh, I've got bulb potting mix. Excellent. Okay, that's that's another great thing to have because it drains properly. It's got all the right food mm-hmm. in it. Uh, but you still do need to fertilise them uh, with a bulb uh, sort of fertiliser as well. You can get a liquid bulb fertiliser, and I would recommend doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. because it's instant. They need it very, very quickly. And, uh, look, you really shouldn't have any problems. Make sure they're, again, in the full sun. Uh, look, sometimes ranunculus, uh, look, when they come up, they can get fungal disease. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you've got a, a, a type of fungicide, you might give them a spray with that as well when, when they come up. Right. Well, in the past three years, I've planted them in potting mix, and I've found that that doesn't really work, and I decided I'd get bulb... Um, mm-hmm. Mix. Yeah, look, the specific potting mixes are very, very good. Uh, so, you know, you get bowl mix, you can get succulent and herb mix. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can get all different grades of potting mix. And there's been some fellow in a white coat, uh, you know, and probably, you know, some sort of microscope as well and test tubes. And that's their whole job, formulating a, po- you know, a potting mix uh, specifically for certain plants. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why they're there. So you might as well get them and uh, give them a try, especially when you're only using small amounts, uh, yeah. you know, like you are in those pots that you've got. Uh, yeah. And just I've see got how a pack see, of 45, so... Yeah, and see how it goes this year for you. I think you'll probably mm-hmm. have a much better success, especially if you get some bulb fertiliser as well. Make sure they're yeah. in the full sun. Okay. Thanks very much for that, Scott. Okay, thanks for that. Have thank a very you. nice afternoon. You too, okay. and thank you again. Bye-bye, Bye. Sue. Bye. And we've got Bruce from Gilliston Heights. He's got a question about the aloe tree. Hey, Bruce, how can we help you? 
Oh, g'day, Scott. Uh, yeah, mate, I've got uh, a big aloe tree I've had for years, about four moves tall. Yep. So I took, took a, a branch off that and I thought, well, I'll just cut into four cuttings like a, a yucca or something. I'll plant them in, in the ground and one in the pot. And uh, the one in the pots was green and it's sort of the stem's fallen over a bit and it's all hollow inside. So I know I've got too much moisture or I'm using the wrong soil. Should I use cactus soil in it? Yeah. Um, Yes, mate. Look, yeah, look. It sounds like if it has gone all hollow and rotted away, it sounds like the end of that one. How are the ones growing? Going uh, that you put in the ground? Oh, they're sort of going brown. I'm hoping they're going to come green in the middle, but uh, they haven't really done much. Okay. So look. Take, does it take a while from the to, to to grow, or I did have them out for about a week or so out, out, out of the ground. Yeah. One of took the cutting. So yeah, look, that that shouldn't hurt them. They are an incredibly slow growing plant, but if they start to rot off like that, that's going to be the end of them. I would be right. more inclined to go grab a uh, a packet of uh, succulent, you know, some sort of succulent mix, a cactus mix. Yep. And just make up some small pots of that. Uh, don't over overwater them. Maybe just you know once or twice a week, even if that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, see how you go with that, uh, because look, they 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 are a very slow growing tree. Uh, they they come from Africa, uh, the big old aloe trees. Um, it's not like aloe vera that people are thinking, you know, that might be thinking about yeah. the smaller growing one. It's actually quite a large tree. You can get you know like fifteen to eighteen meters. A long time to get there. And really, you got the one with the really sharp barby uh, leaves on it, mate. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. That, that's the one we're talking about. Uh, so it is a little bit like aloe vera that you you know break and put on your skin in, as far as the leaf structure goes. Uh, but yeah, this one gets to a big tree, mate. I'd do the old uh, cactus and succulent mix uh, probably. Uh, the other way you can actually try and grow them is from the leaves as well, and that's how a lot of succulents are grown. Uh, they just pick off the leaves of them and sort of put the end of it in the pot, and then you find the plant actually sort of springs up from the end of the leaf, from the base of the right, leaf. Yeah, yeah so maybe. Right. Do a you know a few different ones and see how you go. That one that I got um, is still green. I've just cut it off where it was rotten and put it back in the ground again. So I might go and get some cactus mixing. Yeah, yeah, just transplant it over and see how you go with that, just to try and regulate it a little bit better. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Okay, no worries. Thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, Bruce. Good luck with it, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thanks, Bruce. We've got Chris now from Tanilba Bay, and he's got a question on the frangipani tree. Hello, Chris. I do. How can we help you? Hi, Scott. Um, I have a well-established frangipani. It's at least 25 years old. Yes. And yesterday we were sitting outside and looked and a lot of the ends were dead and just hanging there like limp. So when I went up, they all just broke off and it's hollow inside. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. Is that just one no. one particular branch or from the main trunk? No, it's just the main trunk and it's probably three or four branches. Okay, look, the only way you can try and, you know, cure this is to give it a prune back. Uh, so you just start pruning back until you get to some nice, you know, fresh green uh, wood again where the sap's running out. Uh, look, that's obviously going to be difficult if it is in the main trunk and it's all rotted away. When when I when I snapped them off, there was ants inside a few yes. of the hollow bits. Uh, look, and they're more likely to have gone in there because they can rather than have actually created the problem. Uh, okay. So, so that, I wouldn't go blaming the ants for it. They'd just be using that as a, as a means of, of transport and food up, in, up inside the tree now that it's rotted away. 
look, there's yeah. Look, once a, a you know the main branch or trunk of a frangipani goes like that, there's really not much you can do except for pruning it out. Uh, okay, will it hurt to cut it right back? Look, it won't hurt to cut it right back. The only thing is that you often lose the shape of a frangipani and it takes, you know, three to four years for that shape to come back again. And, of course, you know how slow they are. Uh, So that's also a factor that you have to consider. Okay. Also, just on the end of one of the branches is like a seed pod. Yes, yeah, well, you've got a seed. That's it's just like almost a, a purple bean, isn't it? Is that how you'd be describing it? It's going a bit black, but... Yeah, so do I do anything to that? Uh, look, it it's up to you. If you want to try and harvest the seed, you can certainly do that. But frangipani is much easier to grow from cutting yeah, uh, and very yeah. successful rather than growing from the seed. Uh, look, it, it, with the main trunk, if you can you know, try and clean it out as best as can um, you know, and then seal it back up with some steriprune. Uh, but look, at this point in time, pruning might be the best option. And then go and grab some steriprune as well and seal up those, uh, uh, you know, the ends of those wounds once you've cut them, if you have to do that. Steriprune. Yeah, steriprune. All right. All good. Thank you very much. Okay. Sorry we couldn't give you okay. any better news, Chris. Yeah, it's honestly, it's a beautiful tree. I really hate to lose it. But anyway, we'll do what we can. Okay. Thanks for that. Thank you. Okay, Bye. Bye-bye. No worries, Chris. We've got Marie now on the line from Bottles Bay. She's got a question about bulbs. How can we help you? Uh, hi, I just I just got the end of the other lady with the bulbs. I have um, last year my bulbs. Uh, I don't dig them up, plant them again. Yeah. I just let them come through. But last year I got a whole lot of green foliage and just a few flowers. There's snowdrops and bluebells. And I was just wondering. Is there anything I can give them to get more flowering this year? Yeah, look, there certainly is. You can either get a bulb-specific fertiliser or you could just use some sulphate of potash if you'd like oh, to. I've got that. Yeah, so I'd yeah. start using that as soon as possible. Often it's something yeah. you need to use to build up in the soil. The other thing yeah. you should do, you're not using grass clippings or poultry manure mm-hmm. around them? No, no, no. They're just um, in the garden. There's a bit of pine bark around them. Oh, OK. Not... Yeah. not they just come poking through that no trouble you know yeah, but yeah. They, they just didn't flower very well last year and uh, everybody usually remarks about it but there was hardly any flowers on yeah look so at my, I just thought I'd done something no, look, you won't, you, won't, you won't have done anything. I mean, you look like they're, they're fending for themselves and doing quite well. Um, yep. But I would definitely get some fertiliser, um, some either bulb-specific fertiliser or that sulphate of potash that you've got. Yeah, I look for bulb fertiliser, but I don't get around much, so I'll pick one up. But I have got the potash, so I'll put some of that on, just water it over them. Yeah, you just uh, water it on. You can probably use it every uh, two weeks if you want to and just start to build that okay. up in the soil. and. And you might get a good oh. result. You might get a result this year, but if you continue keep on using it in that area uh, yeah. over the next year, uh, you know you don't have to do it every. You know, mm. you know, just be a little bit sporadic, but start to build it up. And when you get your next year's crop, I think you might have a better flowering next result. Yeah, so far when you plant them, should I wait till they start poking their little little bulbs things through the ground, no. or, or no, start you can doing it now? Start doing it now and build it up in the soil. Okay, thank you very much. That's all right. You have a nice I'll afternoon. Try that out. Okay, thank you. You thank too. You. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are at FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Pauline from Cardiff, and she's got a question about the Washington Naval Orange. Popular today, the old orange. How can we help you, Pauline? I've got fruit fly on it. 
Oh, really? I, actually, I'm yeah. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I was sitting out <laughs> on my back deck yesterday, yeah. uh, happily just sunning myself. Um, yeah. I might have had a blanket over my knee as well. I, can't I don't think <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> and on the, the railing of my back deck landed a little fruit fly and he did the funny little wing thing and I thought, what are you doing out at the moment, buddy? It's getting That's too right. cold for yeah. you. Uh, look, the only way you can keep your fruit fly under control is uh, by trapping and usually some spraying as well. Uh, but the trapping is the most important thing. Uh, look, yeah. you can either go to your independent garden centre and buy uh, sort of pre-made traps or if you want to, uh, you can go and... Or you might even have some in the in the cupboard, in the kitchen cupboard. You can get uh, like one of those plastic takeaway containers and yeah. you mix up... I've got a, some of those in the tree at, at this present moment. Yeah. I and, saw them a couple of days ago. Beautiful. And have you got the uh, the uh, Vegemite and Malathon sort of mixture in there? I haven't got Malathon. Okay. What, what uh, chemical have you got in there? Um, well, I before with the um, tomatoes and that, I used just Vegemite honey and um, sort of that sort of thing. Um, and I've always caught them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't use don't usually use anything like melasom. Okay, look, it's, you can you can even use pyrethrum if in there. It's just a little you know sort of dab of insecticide in there. Just once they come in and have a bit of a taste of the honey or the yeah. veggie mite, that it, it knocks okay. them over clear. Uh, so yeah, look, continue doing that and uh, just have a general spray with that pyrethrum as yeah. well, just to try and keep them under control. Uh, look, uh, and he's dropping the fruit though. <laughs> Yeah, well, make sure you clean that fruit up. Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. always make sure you clean that fruit up yeah. um, because that's, uh, you know, that's a little breeding ground for them down underneath the trees. That's uh, right. And the other thing is once the, uh, once the plant uh, has finished its, its fruiting and flowering season is to give it a prune back because usually citrus fruit, uh, you know, grows on that, it comes on that new growth. So as the plant gets higher and higher, it becomes harder to actually get up and, and treat the plant. So I always say, uh, you know, give it a good prune back. Uh, you know, I used to go out to people's, uh, you know, people's gardens with lemon trees and things and they'd be three or four metres high and yeah. the fruit would be right up the top but just all dropping on the ground, rotting. And, of course, you're going to have, yeah. you know, millions of fruit fly in that sort of situation. So, yeah, um, yeah give I it a prune. I got the shock of my life when I went out there and saw them. <laughs> Uh, well, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I could not believe that this little guy was sitting on my um, on my back deck with me the other day. Um, yeah, very, very, very strange to see them at this time of year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you, Scott. Okay, thanks for that, Pauline. Have a good afternoon. You too. Okay, bye. bye. And we've got Jackie from Cessnock, and she's got a question about conifers. Hi, uh, Jackie. Uh, hi, hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we absolutely can. How can we help you? Oh, excellent. Um... I've got a, uh, my neighbours and I um, have planted some conifers down the side of our property um, and they're getting very, very big. Now, we don't want to kill the conifers, but we want to try to keep them small so that they don't become massive. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can do to slow down the growth of these trees? Or well, there's nothing you can really do to, you know, re- retard the growth or slow them down. Uh, the best you're going to ever you know, be able to do with a conifer is give it a prune. Now, the trouble with conifers is, you know, most people know they have that nice conical shape. I guess that's where they get their name from. I mean, <laughs> how daft am I? I've only just realised that. Um, they, they have this nice conical shape. So as soon as you start pruning off the top of them, uh, that doesn't come back. That main leader of the plant is pruned out and you don't get it back. You just get more of a, a sort of a bushy growth coming up from the top. So, look, it is entirely, possi- it is entirely possible to prune your conifers back, um, but you are going to lose that shape. How, how's that going to work for you, Jackie? Well, I'll just 
big, you know, they're big cigar-shaped trees, and they seem to be getting larger and larger, denser and denser, and very dark. And we're going to end up with a big, dark wall. It's going to block out a lot of light and block out some of my neighbours' views. So I had heard that salt, if you put rock salt in water and you pour it around the base of the plant, it will slow down the growth a bit. Uh, look, it, it might do, but I think there's also great potential for, you know, you start building up salt in the soil and eventually you're going to kill the plant. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I would definitely you know, not be inclined to do that at all. Um, I, I think you're sort of heading down a very dangerous path there. Um, I, yeah, I, I really think that pruning is going to be the only way for you to go. I mean, they do make a fantastic windbreak conifers. You see them down in central Victoria or in farms and out in the yeah. countryside. yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see they'd make a great windbreak. But I can also see that if they're, you know, along the border, they can become a problem in terms of um, uh, blocking views and, you know, being very dark and shadowy and, you know. They look lovely when they're small, but they're all getting so big. We're all a bit worried. <laughs> how big, are, how big <laughs> are they now, Jackie? Uh, some, some of them are, you know, 10 feet tall. Some are about 6 feet tall. Okay. The, old one, the old ones are about 30 feet tall. Right, I see. So you're starting to see what they could they could become. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I remember that, uh, you know, back in the 2000s, there was the, you know, all the uh, the court cases down in Sydney, uh, you know, around the eastern suburbs where people were putting up, you know, the land eye conifer screens and, uh, you know, mm. everyone's views were getting destroyed. So everyone's getting quite cranky about that. So, yeah, it sounds like that's going to happen with your, your neighbours as well, unfortunately. Do you think that, yeah, I remember they called them spike hedges, I think, in Sydney. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and looks very difficult to try and, uh, you know, for those people then to try and get them out. Uh, at least you're still talking to your neighbours and they're talking to you about it. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. the main in thing. The country, in the country, in country towns, it's a bit different. Yes. And in country properties, I think. Yeah, you've got more space. It's not such a big problem here. Well, look, and, and our harbour views aren't quite as exciting, are they? We don't get to see the Opera House and the city, you know, the, the Harbour Bridge. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's, we're not sort of playing. Well, you're sort of playing for cheap stations, but uh, down there in Sydney, they certainly are. Uh, well, look, that's so, right. yeah. so look, I, I'm thinking, look, just some light pruning. Um, if as long as you're happy for it to, uh, you know, essentially lose its conical shape, then you can keep them under control. Uh, the other thing you can do as well is just shave around them, uh, so you keep them, you know, more narrow and don't let them get too big. It's just, with a conifer, as soon as you start pruning into that hard wood uh, and taking it back beyond where the actual green leafy growth is, you never really get that back. So if you are going to uh, shave around the outside of the tree, just make sure you do it very lightly. Yeah, yeah, and you think the salt really would build up and kill the tree, do you? I really would think that. I, yeah, and of course, well, that's what the Romans did all those years back in Carthage. They raised the city and then sowed salt into the soil oh. so they could never grow it again. No, they could never grow crops right. there again, yes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Okay, thank you. I appreciate your help. Okay, thanks for that, Jackie. Thanks for the call. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. It's nice when you throw in a little quick history lesson as well. Well, I would like to you know, keep one up the sleeve every now and again. That's one of my favourite ones about the salt of Carthage. Salting of Carthage, yeah. Classic Roman, though. 
Yes, it is. Ash, I was at the pub the other day and this guy had a hat called Scipio on it and uh, he was a famous Roman general. I think he might have been the guy who actually went and fought the Carthaginians. Right. Yeah, but anyway, I think we're well off topic there now. Very, very off topic. Yeah, you, steered, you steered me away. <laughs> it's Gardy Talk back on you and your RFM, I assure you. We've got time for one more call and we've got Helen from Lampton. She's going to question me at the lemon tree. Hello, Helen. How can we help you? Have you got family over here? Yes, oh, Helen. Hello, Helen. talking to somebody else. Yeah, okay. Well, that's no good. We might get back to a bit later. When yeah, we'll see how we go. A little bit less busy. Now, Scott, you yeah. mentioned at the top of the hour, because we've been inundated with calls all morning. We have been. Haven't had a time to do any new topics. I know. Well, often we don't, but we're going to get there today. We'll get there today. As and promised. Orchids. Yes, let's talk about Cymbidium orchids. They are coming out in flower at the moment. The white ones are out. Yep. So orchids are a funny thing. They They... Uh, certain ones flower at certain times in this next couple of months and usually the whites are the first ones to come out then you'll start getting some yellows and then the darker colours as well uh, but they are a very, very beautiful, beautiful plant if you're into orchids or into just having some colour uh, in the house you can head on to your local garden centre now and uh, check them out lots of varieties coming out at the moment uh, very easy to look after uh, look, really they need to be grown in some dappled shade through most of the year and then as we move into these uh, uh, sort of you know late summer uh, January Feb- February that's when you start to put them into a little bit more light not full sunlight though uh, and you'll get some really beautiful flowers come this time of year um, so they grow by uh, the spike actually comes out of the plant and then you get multiple flowers off that uh, off that one spike off that one plant and it's uh, yeah, really really attractive and easy to look after uh, watering uh, always important that uh, you don't overwater your cymbidium orchid uh, that they've uh, you make sure that the uh, potting mix you've got them in is a specific orchid potty mix it's a very um, uh, well drained potty mix uh, if you do need to um, uh, actually split your orchids as well now's not the time to do it you would actually do that uh, look I would say in July or August and uh, when you split them then uh, you know you get that, that really full pot uh, you can cut it maybe into four pieces if you want to and uh, then that will uh, you know you can ex- like growing little babies from it so you get extra orchids when it comes around to the next time of year right well I think we've still got Helen on the line let's try and get back to Helen okay we'll do that then are you with us there Helen Helen, how can we help you? Helen. I think Helen's pocket dialed us here today. Well, quite possibly. Yeah, I, I, who knows what's happened. One of the great conversations there with Helen. <laughs> <laughs> and if we could have a great conversation with Helen. No, I don't, I don't think she's with us no, at all. I don't think she's with oh, us at all. Maybe if we shout together. <laughs> Three, two, one, Helen. You got any mates here at the moment? Uh, and look, oh. the other plan I was going to talk about uh, was Nandina. Uh, it is a plant that's uh, sort of colouring up at the moment. Uh, you probably said there's a lot of different varieties out there. There's Moon Bay, which is one of my favourites. There's Nandina Nana, which is only a shorter growing one. And there's the old-fashioned sacred bamboo. But like its namesake bamboo, it actually will spread. I've seen it spread from one side of a house in under the foundations to come out on the other side of the house. So uh, it is a, uh, a plant that uh, I would steer clear of. But the other varieties, the, uh, the smaller varieties, are fantastic. So Nandina Moon Bay, it's a sort of more upright one. Yep. Uh, beautiful colour at this time of year. Uh, it, it colours out red uh, so yeah it really uh, as we get into these colder months you'll have a fantastic plant very tough as well they don't need uh, very much water that's why you often that's see nice. them in McDonald's car parks right yes 
Uh, very. I didn't know they were known for not watering plants, but yeah. Well, I think they like to put attractive plants in their car park, you know, planting and landscaping because the you know obviously they make hamburgers and things, but they yep. don't come out and water their plants too well. Um, so yeah. they they look attractive for them, and they're very very tough. So Nandina Moonbay, Nandina Nana, uh, steer clear of the old fashioned sacred bamboo. Right, Scott Sharp, I have to pull you up there. Okay. We are out of time for another week. I'm out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, Helen comes back next week. Yeah, we'll give her a uh, talk to her uh, about her lemon tree. Mm, Very mysterious. It was, wasn't it? We'll know what happened to Helen. Guardian Talkback on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.